And we're going to we're going through the book of John. So same author as we're going through the book of John. We were in John 14 last week. This week I'm going to riff off of our kind of our theme that Victoria helped me on, which is Christ is greater. And we'll get to that in verse 4. But before we do, we'll kind of do some verses and context leading up to verse 4. But so if you're with me, look at 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse number 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but try, test, prove the spirits to see if they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Not that Jesus is just a historical figure. You know, a lot of people, the, the Muslims believe that. Uh, many of the Buddhists believe that, and the, and the Hindus. A lot of people believe that. The Wiccans probably believe that, you know. I mean, so a lot, a lot of people believe that. Um, you know, well, uh, Jehovah Witnesses believe that. Mormons believe that. I mean, they have a different Jesus, but they believe, you know, uh, that some guy named Jesus came in the flesh. But what they don't believe is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only one to God. They don't believe that Jesus is actually God in the flesh. They don't believe that. They don't believe that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. So the people that do believe that are of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. Of course, you have those naysayers, those, uh, those um, revisionists that want to rewrite history, even though there's more empirical evidence that supports the life and times of Jesus than any ten historical figures of antiquity. More evidence, yet there's still some that would say Jesus, did. Jesus didn't even come. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. So there's some people that believe that. Well, there are very few, but some people maybe. This is the Antichrist you heard that is coming and even is now already in the world. So there's kind of this, this spirit of Antichrist, this system, this antithesis of all that's from God and good and from Jesus. And then you have the actual figure, the Antichrist, who will be kind of like indwelt by the power of Satan and he'll be the greatest thing since Canned Milwaukee's best beer. I mean, when he comes, he's going to be better than cheddar cheese on sliced bread. It's also like a riff on Wisconsin because they have good cheese. You guys are really slow. But the Antichrist, when he comes, he'll sign a peace treaty for seven years. He'll, he'll solve the, the Middle East peace puzzle crisis. He'll take care of that. Uh, he'll take care of all the, the division in the world uh, as far as politically, economically. He'll say, don't worry, we'll have a digital currency. Don't worry, i got blockchain figured out. Don't worry, I'll put a mark on your hand. Don't worry, um, I'll sign this treaty and I'll enforce and impose all of these mandates that you'll love. And so everyone will flock around this charismatic leader, the Antichrist. But 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit was saying, the spirit, this Antichrist spirit is already in the world. Uh, Cleo, could we shut that door completely back there? Because I, I have a feeling the air show is going to be starting pretty soon, and we're going to hear some serious maverick and goose and rooster activity going on. So he said in verse 4, You are of God, little children. You have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater 
than he who is in the world. Now, before we get started, I copied this version just for Mike, because I told <laughs> Mike was wondering, he just asked me very kindly, he says, Neil, when I'm reading the verses, did, did you edit that or, or not? I, what do you mean? He said, well, it's the pronouns, the he, the him, the you. When it speaks of God, some translations will, will capitalize he, indicating respect for the deity of Christ. When I type my own personal notes, I always do that because I know who I'm referring to. You're not reading my notes, but when I copy verses, when I use different translations, like the King James or the New King James is primarily what I use, they don't do that. All the, all the uh, personal pronouns and pronouns referring to God and Jesus and the Spirit are all lowercase. Some translations, the modern translations, take the liberty to interpret that for you and to help you out. And um, so I just want you to know, I'm with Mike on that. I think, I think when it's in reference to God, um, out of respect, it should be capitalized. I believe, I believe that wholeheartedly, 100%. That's how I write all my letters. That's how I write all my notes. I've always done that. Just some translations. I'm just too lazy or I'm too, like, I don't want to go through and, and edit it, all the translations. It would just take forever. I just don't have the time. So when you see, a, when you see where it's referring to God and I'm using a translation that's otherwise, please know my heart is that everything should be reverentially, respectfully, uh, uh, Capitalized when it's in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God. So, you're of God, little children, and you've overcome them because, and the King James puts it, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he, that's how I memorized it, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Heavenly Father, I pray as we go through these verses that um, hearts would be encouraged, that we would know truly and leave here believing that we have this greater is he, capital he, in us than he, lowercase h, that's in the world. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that your people would be edified and that we leave here encouraged today. Amen. So, um, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Try the spirits. What does this mean, to try the spirits? Next slide, please. Try the spirits. It means to examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not, as they would in metals, to purify them, to bring out the falseness, and to bring out the impurities, to recognize as a genuine article uh, after examination, to approve and to deem worthy. I know we're going to digital currency and eventually the mark of the beast, uh, but before that, you know that in the Treasury Department, uh, in the counterfeit wing of the Treasury Department, they will study not counterfeit bills to understand counterfeits, but they have them study the true dollar bill to understand a true currency in order to figure out what's true. So when a false one comes, comes along, they're so familiar with the true that they're able to identify the error. Does that make sense? And so test the spirits, test the prophets, uh, test, you know, test these things to see whether they're, um, they're deemed worthy or they're genuine after examination. So 
that's what the um, Bereans did. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, these were more noble. They were actually a little bit smarter, you might say, or a little bit more astute or a little bit more aware than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. They were, give me the Bible. Give me the scriptures. But they searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things were true or they tried it to see whether those things are so. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. So when we have guest speakers, when you listen to speakers on the radio, when you read Christian books, when I'm preaching, um, be a Berean about it. Search the scriptures to see whether these things are true. Search the scriptures um, to find... Uh, I'm not all, you, you know, like I'm not saying I'm infallible. I'm not claiming to be the Pope of Garden Grove. I'm not speaking ex cathedra. I might have a Pope haircut, but that doesn't mean I'm acting like one. So check these things out. Examine the scriptures. Why? You, why do you need to try them? Because many false, he's telling you, many false, already in the beginning, in the early days, right out of the womb with this newborn church are the warnings from God. Take heed, watch out, pay attention, be on your spiritual toes. Why? Don't believe every spirit. Don't believe all things that are spiritual. There's many um, spirits that are not from God and they're coming in the name of God, but they're not bearing witness to the truth of God. In fact, there'll be a list of verses on the screen talking about false prophets and you're going to need your Bible for this. So turn back to Deuteronomy, if you would. The fifth book of the Pentateuch. Deuteronomy, chapter 13. It was a problem back then, and it's a problem today. And it was a problem 2,000 years ago. So Deuteronomy, chapter 13, verse 1. There arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and gives you a sign or a wonder. And the sign or the wonder come to pass, wherefore he spoke of you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. Uh, if you shall not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proves you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul." You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and cleave unto him. And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken to turn you away from your Lord your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeem you out of the house of bondage to thrust you into the way which the Lord God commanded you to walk in. So shall you put that evil away from the midst of you. So even back then, God led them out of Egypt, led them into the promised land, and he said, watch out. There's going to be people coming with religious vernacular, with religious words, with, with dreams and visions and signs and wonders. And, you know, for the unsuspecting, maybe the newborn Christian uh, might be like, wow, you know, they might be impressed with some, some head hitting and some flopping around on the floor and some but, you know, some semi-accurate predictions like a horoscope or a fortune cookie. Some people might be impressed with a little bit of, like, uh, astrological signs and some palm reading or some, some Ouija board action. Some Christians might think that's all, in the name of Jesus, good. And, you know, and I'm, 
But what they fail to realize is there's some darker forces behind the scenes that are running, running an operating program behind these people, and they don't know that it's not from God because maybe they're using the words like God and spirit and scripture. I remember um, in Utah, we'd always have to do this. We're witnessing to a group of people, um, and no offense, but this religion, which I deemed as a cult, was started by a false prophet. 100% sure of that. 100% sure. You might be, you're a false prophet, Neil. Okay. Um, just, okay, whatever. I didn't find a book, or I didn't find some tablets and put some rocks in a hat and translate it and have someone around the corner <laughs> write down the words of these magic words that I'm using from a talisman and a witchy stick, which I found. Anyways. Um, so when we're talking to the, your average everyday LDS, Latter-day Saint Mormon, and they say scriptures, you can hear the planes, they say scriptures, they say savior, they say forgiveness, they say heaven, they say God, they say marriage, they say all these things. If I say, well, do you have a pet? And they say, yeah. I say, I have a pet too. Does your pet have a wet nose? Yeah. Does your pet have a tail? Yeah. Does your pet eat out of a dish? Yeah. Does your pet have fur? Yeah. Does it have four paws? Yeah. Does it have a tongue? Yes. But if I'm talking about a Siamese cat and you're talking about a pit bull, things that are different aren't the same. Just because someone uses the word scripture, God, Jesus, it doesn't mean you're talking about the same thing. There's another Jesus, there's another gospel, there's another spirit, there's another version of heaven that's not another version, it's a counterfeit version, and that's what I'm trying to say, and that's what God's trying to say here. Watch out for that. Now, I'm going to skip over um, Deuteronomy 18 and Jeremiah 20, well, let's go to Jeremiah, let's do that one. The Jeremiah or the Deuteronomy 18 passages are prophecies about Jesus, that prophet that is to come. You could take note of that. But look at Jeremiah's warning. This, this one's actually really interesting. Speaking about false prophets, look at Jeremiah 13 and verse 13. And I have seen the folly in the prophets of Samaria who prophesied in Baal and caused my people of Israel to err. I've seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies and strengthen also the hands of evildoers. And none that does return from them and his wickedness, they are all of them unto me as Sodom and inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with wormwood and make them drink the water of gall. And from their prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth unto the land. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you that make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. So it's their own agenda, their own wisdom, their own insight, their own predictions. And they say still unto them that despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And they say every one of them that walk after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you kind of like the peace and prosperity gospel. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and who has perceived his word? Uh, who has marked his uh, word and heard it? And going on, behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in a fury, even a grievous whirlwind. It shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord shall not return until he has executed, till he has performed the thoughts of his heart in the latter days 
shall consider it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken unto them, yet they prophesied. <clears throat> but if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned from their evil way and from their evil of their doings. In other words, you'll know them by their fruits. What's the fruits? These prophets were sent by God, the ones that are real prophets, to cause Israel to repent and to turn back and to receive the Lord um, and to obey his commands. I am a God at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off. Can he hide themselves in secret places that I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do not I feel heaven and earth, says the Lord. I have heard what the prophet said, that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. Not I have a dream. I'm not saying that. How long shall this be in vain in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they have tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forsaken and, and forgotten the name for Baal. The prophet that has a dream, let him tell the dream. He that has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat? Do you see the comparison there? What's that that's the chaff unprofitable to that which is the wheat which is profitable? So someone that speaks out of their own heart, out of their own words, versus speaks from the, the word of God and by the Spirit, one is profitable, one is unprofitable, is what he's saying. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord? And like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? That's a very, very powerful um, a description of God's word in God's word. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, that steal my words, everyone from his neighbor. Behold, it's like the devil in Matthew 13, where the Bible says the seed, which is the word, the good seed, is distributed, and then it falls on different types of soil. And the, the, the evil one, it says, he comes and snatches the word and steals the word, kind of like that. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, that use uh, their tongues and say, he says, behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, it says the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness. Yet I sent them not, nor commanded them. Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. So God's word is like a hammer. It's like a surgical knife. You know, it says in um, uh, Hebrews, the word of God, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, able, able to divide the heart or the spirit and the soul. It's so surgical and it's so living and it's so powerful. It could break the rocks and it could break a stony heart and it could, it could open the eyes of the blind. It could cause the deaf to hear again spiritually so they could say, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church. It has that sort of power. And, the, and God is saying, watch out for those that don't believe this. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew. Let's listen to what Jesus has to say by way of warning against these types of people. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3. Of course, Jesus is talking about the signs of the times, the end times. And Jesus sat upon the Mount of the Olives in Matthew 24, 3. The disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, Jesus, when shall these things come to pass? And what shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Take heed that no one deceive you. Again, 
Why does God give warning after warning after warning about people deceiving in the name of God and the name of religion? Because it's a real, it's a real thing. It really happens. For many shall come in my name. So we have many, not some, not a few, but it seems like the world is incurably religious and they're going to come in the name of God. Many of them, the majority of them, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. So many are going to fall for this. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. You know, that's kind of the first thing I, when Vladimir Putin conquered COVID, I was like, whoa, Vlad, you should get a peace, a Nobel Peace Prize. Once he started that war in Ukraine, I was like, okay, COVID's gone. Now there's a war. And then <laughs> wars, rumors of wars, it's an actual war. And COVID was a, you know, a different thing. That's, you know, plagues and viruses, whatever, wherever you stand on that whole thing. Um, and then, you know, China and Taiwan, rumors of wars. Whatever's going on in, um, uh, in Northern Africa, whatever's going on in the Middle East, wars, rumors of wars. You should hear these things. So that says, so, so, see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation uh, and kingdom against kingdom. Eventually, the Antichrist, really, he doesn't want uh, nationalism or individual national sovereignty. That's a bad thing, according to the Antichrist. What he wants is an international global system, you know, with global governance and centrally controlled from his headquarters. Uh, you can read about that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. And then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and shall, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. You see many, 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 many times, many. <laughs> you see that often mentioned many times. Because iniquity abound, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That's a sad commentary for the end times. Many will choose these false prophets, these false Christ, these false gospels, this false religion, this false whatever, settling for something less than Jesus, even if it's using the name Jesus, a counterfeit Jesus, a counterfeit gospel, a counterfeit message, a watered-down way to God with an admixture of a, a little bit of you and a, and a little bit of Jesus, um, you know, a little bit of law, a little bit of grace, some sort of works and grace type message, some sort of Jesus and something else type of message. It's not Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's not it. It's Jesus plus something equals something. So test examine, try the prophets, because many of them, many of them are gone out into the world. Second Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 13, out of the love chapter, love never fails, but whether it be prophecies, they shall fail, whether there be tongues, they shall cease, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away, for we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, Jesus, then that which is in part shall be done away. Why? Because the law and the prophets were until John and then Jesus came and started preaching the kingdom because he is the king, he is the prophet, and he is the priest. 
He's the culmination. He's the sum total of all that the prophets were pointing to. You know, a third of the Bible's prophecy and most like seven-eighths of all of that two-thirds of prophecy has been fulfilled. The only thing left is like the book of Revelation and some of the stuff we read in Matthew 24 and scattered about, about the second coming. But most of all the prophecies have already been fulfilled and they've been wrapped up in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Goose, can you hear me? Second, uh, Second Peter, chapter 2. Check this out. Verse 1, it's on the screen. But there were false prophets. Look at the tense here. There were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So what the Bible's saying is, yeah, there were false prophets, but there's no such thing as prophets today. If someone comes and says, I'm a prophet, I would be very worried and weary of that. But there's a lot of Bible teachers. There's a lot of, like, Christian teachers. So he's saying there were false prophets, but today, watch out, because there's going to be a lot of false teachers. And you might say you're one of them, Neil. And I'm like, okay, I didn't know that, but... Okay, check the scriptures, and then let's, let's compare. Let's compare notes. I don't want to be. Um, but he's saying there's a lot. There were false prophets, but there's going to come false teachers. And what's the main earmark? They're going to deny Jesus. They're Jesus deniers. They're denying Jesus and his work and his purpose and his ministry. Back to Jeremiah, but it'll be on the screen. Verse 29 and verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets or your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams because you ca uh, because you, or which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Jesus again in Matthew 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You shall know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? And look, what it doesn't say is you'll know them by their works. Why? Because a lot of cults and religions can do the same works that we do just out of the energy of the flesh. What you can't imitate is the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit that's in you, living His life through you, is going to give genuine love, genuine joy, genuine peace. Look, look at the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, uh, faithfulness, temperance. He says, against such there is no law. So only the Spirit in you can provide that fruit through you, and you can't fake it unless it's artificial fruit, right? Like you'd see in a model home. Well, I remember that when I was a kid. Go to model homes, you like grab a banana, and it doesn't, it's not profitable. It's fake. It looks good on the outside, but there's no profit to it. So beware, he says, beware, beware. Verse 2, 1 John 4, 2. Hereby you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ 
Jesus is the Christ, has come in the flesh, is of God. So the word confess, what does it mean to confess? It means this. It means to agree with God to what is already true. When Adam and Chloe were little kids, Adam and Chloe, did you take that out of the jar? Did you take the cookie out of the jar? We see the crumbs, we see the, the chocolate, we see the messy hands. We do the count. If there's a dozen cookies and there's only 10, we're not asking for information. We're asking for a confession. We know who did it. We're way smarter than you, still to this day. Way, way smarter than our kids. So we're not asking for information. Where were you? We're so much smarter. We track your phone. <laughs> we're not asking for information. We're asking for confession. No, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not challenging you. So you're, I know you could, there's workarounds. So don't take that as a challenge. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm actually afraid. Um, but when it comes to Jesus, when he asks people, you know, when he asks them a question, he's not asking for information. He knows. He's God. What he's asking for is confession, to agree with what God already knows to be true. When it comes to confessing, the best confession you'll find, you know, I'll just kind of quote these generically. Um, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Kind of a summary of Romans 10. Confess, confess, confess. I agree, I'm a sinner and you're the savior. I agree that I can't save myself, that you came to do for me what I could not do for myself. I agree that you provide this free gift of eternal life, something that I could never purchase or buy or earn. I agree, I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart. Confess, confess. First John, what, in, in First John uh, 1 John 1.9, he says in verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Really, you don't believe you've ever sinned. Really. Well, then the truth, who's the truth that's not in you? Well, Jesus isn't in you, if that's the case. But if we confess our sins, we confess that we're a sinner and we agree to the truth that all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So who's the word? Jesus. Who's the truth? Jesus. Where is he if you're a Christian? In you. Where if you're not a Christian, he's not in you. But here's the good news. If you would confess, if you would agree that you're a sinner and have fallen short of the glory of God, the truth and the word will come into you. Who's going to the, the air show today afterwards? Anyone? You want me to hear you up? If you're to say yes, I'll go faster. <laughs> People that aren't going are immediately agreeing. Bing, bing, bing. Yes, 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 yes. So, all Christians come to God knowing that Jesus is more than a carpenter. So, here the verse says, Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. 
So if you agree with God to what is true, that Jesus is who he claimed to be, God in the flesh, the word which was with God, which was God, and the word that became flesh, if you agree with that to the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you confess and you've received him, you're of God. If you don't, I, this is an easy test, man. Like, like you could go to anyone that doesn't believe this. Oh, really? Oh, really? You could, not to challenge or debate anyone, but most cults don't believe this. It's so easy to find out who's of God and who's not of God. I wasn't so black and white before until we were smack dab in front of a, of a, a 98% culture and people that didn't believe this. It was so blatantly obvious. And there's many people that don't believe this, that, that, you know, that live all over the place. But what God is saying is if you do believe Jesus is more than just a good man, more than just a good teacher, more than just a carpenter, if you believe he's more than and you've received him, then you're a born-again Christian. What cannot be said of any good moral man that can only be said of the Lord Jesus Christ is that he is God. Look at 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, even though it is controversial for a lot of people, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of the angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and then received up into glory. It's a triadic verse. You've got to see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you see that God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. There's a many, many verses, by the way, that speak to this, not just this one. So I don't want you to think that it's just one verse. There's many. You've heard this said before. I've said it one other time, maybe a few years ago. Um, out of the four years that I've been here, I said it you know, a few years ago. I remember because, uh, remember Karen, our old piano player? Incidentally, she just moved back east. She, she sent me a, a postcard of her and her husband, her high school sweetheart. They got reintroduced together, and that's why she doesn't come anymore, because she got married, and she lives back east. So, But um, I remember this specifically bringing this up back then, because she really loved this quote, and she remembered reading it herself from the book Mere Christianity. But C.S. Lewis on the topic of Jesus being God. And you'll know this. This isn't, this isn't anything new. This has been quoted often. But maybe for some of you, it's a fresh reminder. Maybe you've never heard it before. I don't want to take that for granted. But C.S. Lewis, in this great book, he says, A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he has a poached egg. You could tell he's British. Or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man and was and is God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You could spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So C.S. Lewis's great treatise on liar, lord, or lunatic. So what say you? Have you confessed with your mouth? Have you believed in your heart that Jesus is God? Then God's in you, and you're in God, and you're in good company.
If not, he wants you to. He wants you to, the God of the universe wants you to know him. And he's taking care of your sin. And he's, he's cut the red tape so he access granted. He wants you to be seated with him because he loves you, right? He's not willing that any should perish, but should, that all should come to repentance and life. So verse three, and we're almost done and we'll take communion here. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, wherefore you've heard that should come and even is now already in the world. So this God in the flesh thing, this is kind of the acid test as I was talking before. If you do not believe that Jesus is the one true God, then you're not a Christian, cannot be called a Christian, and will not be considered a Christian. That's just kind of simple. And we need to hold that as a standard because the Bible does. Like, I know this wouldn't be true of Eric, let's just say. Eric's like, he's a deacon of the church, right? <laughs> a leader. He's like, yeah, I love you. I love this church. You know, I put a lot of sweat, blood, and tears and, and the, over the years. Helped wire this place. I've given to missions. I've done a lot of things. I just don't believe that Jesus is a good, he's a good dude. He's a really good guy. I mean, I know a lot of good guys in my life. I work with them. I fish with them. Jesus is probably a really good fisherman, too. I don't know if he's the best fisherman. Probably a good one. I mean, he, but I, when it comes to him being God, the God of the universe, the uncreated creator of everything, seen and unseen, where he created angels, nah. He's just a little bit, he's like, he's like uh, most people, but on steroids. He's just a little bit better than most people, but a really good guy. I, <laughs> Mike's like, Eric. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Eric doesn't believe that, obviously. But if he did, would you consider him for a deacon? Would you consider him as a Christian, even? Hope not, right? If your pastor had that position, right? What the heck? Fire this guy immediately. Immediately to jail. Don't, don't collect $200 when you go around the board, right? You're out, this is so fundamental to the Christian faith. Now, granted, you might grow in your, your grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You might not know all the verses of the deity of Christ. You might not even know what the deity of Christ means. But Jesus has to be more than a carpenter. He has to be more than a good man. He must be Lord and God. And you, again, you might not know all the theological uh, uh, you know, details surrounding that, but you, at least in your heart and in your spirit, you must know there's something significant about Jesus in that he's God. You must know that. In fact, let's kind of look at some verses. 1 John 3.16, if you're already in 1 John, one chapter back before it. This one will kind of throw you off. A lot of great 3.16 verses, but when I... I saw this for the deity of Christ. I thought, oh, this one's interesting. Maybe people haven't considered this verse, so I'm going to give you something maybe you haven't considered before. Hereby, This isn't John 3.16, for God so loved the world. This is 1 John 3.16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Did you catch that? Hereby we perceive the love of God because who laid down his life? He laid down his life, but it said God laid down his life. Interesting. God. So 
basically, we know Jesus laid down his life, but this verse said that God must be Jesus to lay down his life. Okay, not so obvious. We'll turn to 1 John. This will be pretty obvious. <clears throat> I use this one all the time. It's like one of my favorite verses. But, uh, 1 John 5.20. And we know that the Son of God has come, and we have given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. We are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Oh, come on now. You don't see that? This is the true God and eternal life? Come on, right? That's so obvious. Jesus is the true God and eternal life. Okay, you're not getting it still. That's all right. Let's go. Let's go to let's go to some more obvious ones. Go to John, the Gospel, chapter one. You guys know exactly where I'm going. John one one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, big deal, Neil. Who's the Word? Well, let's see. Verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we know that the Word is Jesus, and the Word became flesh, but the Word was God. Words come from the heart. God, when he wanted to speak from his heart, he translated God's word in the person of Jesus. Jesus is God's translation from his heart. Jesus, therefore, when he wanted to show you his heart, who God really is, he gave us Jesus, not who God looks like, but who God is like. Look to Jesus, and you could see the heart of God and the very word that became flesh, God's translation. Now, John chapter 20, stay in John. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. John chapter 20, and look with me at verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus rose again and revealed himself. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see the hands, see in his hands the print, or the, you know, the scar of the nails, the hole, and put my finger in the print of the nails, the hole, and thrust my hand into his side where he got speared, where they tried to make sure he was dead before they took him off the cross. He said, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were with them and Thomas with them. Then they came and the doors being shut and they stood in the midst and Jesus said, peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, because again, Jesus, he doesn't need to ask, he knows. Reach hither your finger and behold my hands. Reach hither your hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing that he is who he claimed to be, that he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. Then Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, which would have been blasphemous if it were not true for a good Jewish boy, your man named Thomas, who followed the law under the law, lived under it, that would have been death by stoning, to call someone Lord and God. In fact, it's not in my notes, but in John chapter 10 and verse 31, after Jesus said, I and my Father are one, they picked up stones to stone him, and they, Jesus said, for what good work are you stoning me? He said, not for a good work, but you, because you're a man, make yourself out to be God, which is blasphemy. You know the, the reason why they put Jesus on the cross? Because he did no sin? Blasphemy. Him being a man. They, they, this is the crime that they thought Jesus committed. 
You're just a mere man. You're just a mere carpenter. No one could say they're God. That's blasphemy. So they thought they got him on a technicality, blasphemy. But that's where you need to either decide. Are you going to confess that Jesus is actually God and you believe that? Or are you going to reject that message? Christmas is coming around the corner. Look at these Christmas verses. Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. There we go. Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Behold the virgin, Matthew 1.23, shall be with child, bring forth a son, shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God in Abad. God as a baby. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Uh, this is what, where we're at right now, I believe, that we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So the return of Jesus is considered looking for the great God, the blessed hope. So um, Isaiah 25, 9, and it shall be in that day, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him. And, we, and he will save us, for this is the Lord. We have waited for him, and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Mike, I don't like the, I don't like the lowercase. I don't. It bothers me, too. I just don't want to go, by, go through all of them and change them. What if I change the wrong one? And then you think it's God and I messed up when I, when I capitalized maybe David or someone. You know what I mean? John chapter 2. Oh, I, I referred to this one a minute ago. John chapter 10, verse 33. The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone you not, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself out God. So, Antichrist. He said, Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ come in the flesh is the spirit of Antichrist, wherefore you've heard that he should come already now in the world. I think I have this defined on the next slide, Antichrist. The word anti means instead of, and replace, against, opposing, the antithesis, the opposite, contrary. The Antichrist is both a real person that will come, and it's also a system or a spiritual belief that opposes all that God's word teaches. So, Christian, beware. Much of the Bible was written so that we would be warned about the Antichrist teaching, uh, Antichrist prophecies, Antichrist preaching, Antichrist religions, Antichrist philosophies, uh, Antichrist... Uh, modalities, uh, theologies, all that stuff. After all, let's just, let's just kind of get this out there. The devil's not an atheist. The devil's not an atheist. That's why he has ministers of righteousness. That's why he says he, he transforms as an angel of light. That's why he comes preaching another gospel. That's why he preaches another spirit. That's why he preaches another Bible. That's why he pre Look, the devil gets more mileage out of religion than making people devil worshipers. He knows that's not a good tactic. So he would rather, if you can't beat them, join them. Just don't get them to, to worship and to love the Jesus of the Bible. Right? So it's not that the devil is trying to get you to, to not believe in a Jesus or Jesus. He, doesn't want you to, he just doesn't want you to believe the Jesus as God has revealed him through the scriptures. It could be like a, a lowercase j Jesus, right? He just doesn't want you to believe in the one true and living God. Something less than Jesus, another Jesus, a counterfeit Jesus. 
an antithesis Jesus. As Depeche Mode would say, your own personal Jesus. It's my, my 80s babies out there. <laughs> or for the older generation, the Doobie Brothers. Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. Oh, yeah. I saw them at the Gorge, by the way, in Washington. That was pretty cool. <clears throat> so, greater is he that's in you. Then we're going to do this and do the communion to be done. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Go to the next slide. Greater is he who is in me, who is in you, than he is in the world. 1 John 3.24, if you're in 1 John still, let's do these really quick. These are locality verses. Where is Jesus? Where is he? 1 John 3.24, and he that keeps his commandments dwells in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abides in us by the spirit which he has given unto us. Chapter 4, verse 13. Hereby know that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Verse 16. And we know and believe the love that God has to us. God is love and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Greater is he that's in you. John 14. I love these passages. We're going we're gonna to get to these. Uh, actually, we're in that neighborhood as we're going through the book of John. But look at this, John 14. I know there's a lot of turning in your Bible today. I know that. I like it. John 14, verse 17. Um, Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. This is before Jesus went to the cross to forgive us so that he could fill us. That's the whole purpose of forgiveness, is to be filled with his life. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. This is like Jesus depositing his life after he ascends into heaven. Yet a little while, the world sees me no more, yet you see me. Because I live, you shall live also. And on that day, you shall know that I am in the Father, and, the, and you in me, and I in you. That's some good stuff there. He that has my commandments and keeps them is he that loves me, and, I, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas uh, said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said, If any man love me and keep my words, my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and we will make our abode with him. And he that loved me not and keeps not my sayings, and the word which you hear me not is not mine, but the Father which sent me. So he's talking about we, plural, will make our abode, our living, our dwelling, I and you, and you and me. Um, and so Jesus makes that statement. Right? Let's just kind of cruise through these verses without turning there to save some time. Romans 8, 9, if just if you're taking notes, he says, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God, uh, Christ dwells in you. And any, if anyone has not a spirit, he's none of his. Uh, Galatians 2, 20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless. Uh, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. If the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 3.17, that Christ should dwell in your hearts by faith. And I don't know the rest of it. Colossians 1.27, um, this is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
And then 2 Corinthians 13.5, he says, let everyone examine themselves. Do your own inventory, whether Jesus is in you. Because if he's not in you, he says, then you're a reprobate, or you're not his, or you're none of his. So he said, I can't tell you if Jesus is in you. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians 13.5, everyone examine yourself. Is Jesus in you? Is not are you in church, not are you in religion, not are you in some enrolled in some Bible study course, not, not that. Is Jesus in you? Because if Jesus is in you, 2 Corinthians 13.5, I use that verse all the time in Utah, all the time, because they didn't think Jesus could be in them. It's the most important question. Where is Jesus? Is he in you? He needs to be in you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. What? So this 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What is he greater than? Well, God is greater than the sun, the moon, and the stars because he created them. Jesus is greater than the angels. He also made them. Christ is greater than our depression, our anxiety, our trials, and our tribulations because he's the prince of all peace, the God of all comfort. God is greater than our loneliness, right? Because he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus is greater than our broken relationships because he is the friend uh, that wants to be in our life and sticks closer than a brother in and through our life, good and bad. Jesus is greater than the death of all things and the death of friends and the death of relatives and the death of loved ones because he is the resurrection and life of all things. Jesus is greater than all, and greater is he that is in you than anything seen or unseen that lives outside of you. In other words, <clears throat> what makes us spiritual is the spirit in us. What makes us godly is the God inside of us. What makes us Christians is the Christ who resides in us. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Let me just ask you this, though. How does that make you feel? What does that do for you? Greater is he that is in you. Christ is greater. We've been riffing off this theme for a while now. Jesus is greater. Put up that other slide where it says that Jesus is greater slide. I showed this one a while ago. Angela really loved this one. I remember that. <laughs> Angela, Jesus is greater than uh, chemotherapy and going through radiation uh, and cancer, right? Jesus is greater than all of it. Um, Jesus is greater than, look at all that stuff. Technology. Uh-oh. Trunk or treat coming around the corner. Is Jesus really greater than candy? I don't know. Well, he, yeah, he must be. I mean, just Jesus is greater. And you could add to this list. It's not exhaustive, but Christ is better. And I think the Antichrist would try to get us to settle for something less than what's greater that's in us than anything offered outside of us in the world. Amen?